Hey guys, uh, Ricky, alcoholic. Um, so I, um, like growing up, like I, I, I guess like I have like a little bit of a, um, it's a little bit different than a lot of people um, that I've heard in the rooms because um, I actually had a very good childhood. Um, I kind of beat the odds as far as like what you know, um, leads to, um, you know, what they say leads to addiction and stuff, because I had a great childhood. I was, um, I was allowed to be a kid. Um, I have excellent parents, um, who are still together. They just celebrated 36 years. Um, and, um, I had a very vanilla childhood, honestly, because I grew up in a small town where like nothing ever happens. And, um, I was not exposed to a whole lot of, um, pretty much anything because it was so small. And when I say small, I've met a lot of people in these rooms, like, especially since starting to do the, the zoom AA thing where people say, um, that, uh, they're from a small town and they're listing thousands of people. My, my, my town is it, the sign says 150. Okay. I don't think that there's that many people there. Um, <laughs> I actually think there's more horses than people. Um, so it was, uh, you know, my, uh, and it was, it was, I grew up in the Midwest in a small town in Illinois. So it was, you know, backyards, a cornfield. Um, there's nothing in the town. The only business in the town is a grain elevator. Um, actually there used to be a few, uh, bar restaurants, but they've all closed now. So, um, and, uh, <clears throat> I, early childhood, I wasn't, um, we weren't religious. I remember a very clear, distinct time when we, we weren't religious. And then all of a sudden we were, and we couldn't do things like celebrate Halloween because it was evil. And, um, like, uh, when Harry Potter came out, I wasn't allowed to read it because it was witchcraft. Um, and I love Harry Potter now. I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. <laughs> um, and uh, we started going to this one church who um, I refer to now as the cult church. Um, and uh, it was because it was it was very much um, a like you were it was very repressive. And um, I actually started going to the uh, private school there because I was being bullied pretty bad um, in middle school. And so I transferred schools thinking that it would be better and it wasn't, it was worse. <laughs> and, um, that school, it was very, very small. It might as well have just been homeschooling. Um, my eighth grade graduating class was three, including me. Um, and, uh, it was, yeah, it was just, it was not something that, I mean, I don't actually, I actually don't really think that I would have changed anything. Um, because, I think that, you know, that would make me a different person now. And um, when I got to high school um, is when I, I, and I started going to public school again, um, I actually started thinking that that, like I started like questioning, really like really questioning everything. Cause I was also seeing a lot of things going on in the church that were very hypocritical and um, didn't make, make sense and um, were, like also that's um later is when I actually started figuring out my sexuality um I'm pansexual um I had no idea what that word even meant or that it even existed back then but um it was uh 
like, you know, going to, to church and hearing that you're going to, you know, <clears throat> go to hell for um, being who you are, it was also like kind of a uh, nail in the coffin to that. So um, I wasn't allowed to stop going um, until I turned 18, um, according to my parents, because then I could make my own decisions and stuff. And um, so I think that that like all of that time was about when I decided that um, none of the, the religious stuff made sense to me. And um, so by the time I got to um, rehab, <laughs> like two, almost two years ago, um, I um, had pretty much already decided that I was an atheist and uh, well, no, I had. And so like that made the whole secular AA thing kind of easy because I was like, okay, well, like <laughs> this is what's happening. And I just didn't really even know that it was as big as it is. So um my first drink was, um, I was 11. Um, my friend, um, Irene was over and it was just me and her hanging out in the house. And, um, we had like talked about, um, alcohol, like we just real quick or whatever. And I was like, Oh, well, I, I like, I know where my parents, um, keep theirs and he'd never had a drink before we <clears throat> made what we called screwdrivers, but like there was no orange juice. It was just, um, a, uh, it was, it was orange soda because that's all we had. And I just remember feeling warm. Like, I don't, I don't know if there was like any other effects or anything, but, um, and then I think that the, the next time I really drank was probably when I, um, the first, my first drunk, which was, I was like 16, I think. And, uh, which that was the also, also the night that I, uh, I had sex for the first time and it was also I drove drunk for the first time so looking back I'm like mm, I probably should have known that there was going to be an issue so um and uh in high school is also um when I used to party with my um my high school best friend her uh, her name is Stephanie and um her parents allowed her to drink um as long as she was home and so we were always like you know like we would have parties over there and stuff and um and that's also when I started um smoking weed um and I got really into that uh for a little bit um and I think it was more about acceptance than anything because it was what like all my friends did and um and then my first girlfriend um her and I used to smoke a lot of pot together um and I um so I don't remember why I stopped um smoking but um I went to school and um I was still in the same spot I just started hanging out with different people um around about that time I uh, met my best friend um who's who's still my best friend um his name is Brandon um he's super supportive of me and everything um and uh <clears throat> he and I would very much party a lot drinking and um I uh got my first DUI, um, when I was 22 or well, my only DUI when I was 22, um, I've come close to others. Um, and, uh, that was, um, right before it was that like a year before I moved up to Chicago. Um, and, uh, it was, I, 
I know that like, so the, when I had to go do, do all of that stuff, um, I had to go through like a bunch of classes and, you know, they make you go through the, to the victims impact panel and stuff. Like I was so embarrassed and everything, but I got through everything. Um, it's like, I don't, well, by this time, it's not even on my record anymore. I don't think, unless you can like look back that far, but, um, Then I moved to Chicago and so, and then I, I, I sold my car. So, um, I will actually, I sold my car to pay off my DUI. Um, and then, um, in Chicago, we don't need, um, a car. It's, we have such great, um, public transportation system that, uh, we just, it's not even necessary. So, um, <clears throat> I, uh, if that weren't the case, I'd probably definitely have more DUIs or be in jail. So, um, but, I, uh, when I moved to Chicago, um, I moved here for, um, college, uh, for my, uh, I had graduated my, my associate's degrees already. And then I was going for my bachelor's and, um, I really look back and I think that I, sh I could have put way more into school if, um, if I had actually like not been worried about, um, going out with my friends later. Cause that's all, you know, I just wanted to, to party, go to the bars, whatever and like these were really late night parties like there's uh so in chicago we have um 4am bars and 5am bars and um and then i even know of bars that open at like 8am so um you basically like you just needed to um stay up for um like as if after the bar closes no people at that bar like if they're working or whatever and you could just chill there and then you'll all go out to eat and then you'll all go to the bar again so um it's a very alcoholic city <laughs> and um that's also about the time when i started um doing cocaine as a party drug um it wasn't like i don't think that i ever bought or did um coke when um like I wasn't drinking. It was always just so my dumb ass could stay up and drink more. And, uh, it was, you know, like I not, <laughs> these are not <laughs> it's like good choices. Like, yes, here, do this other drug so you can stay up and drink more. That's like, a, that's a really fantastic idea. So, um, that's also, um, I've like there's a few other party drugs that I've tried like um and it, it's just most of them like being hallucinogenics and um it's uh, and I call them party drugs because that's what they were to me so um I uh did end up graduating um and that same year is when I moved out to I was I was uh, my roommates were my best friend and his partner and um, I moved out to um, my own little studio apartment. Um, and I, um, I don't know that I was really drinking alone yet. Um, it was a few, maybe a year or so later when I started doing things like uh, treating alcohol um, as more of a reward system, like for um, it's laundry night, <laughs> let's grab a bottle of wine. And um, I really hated doing laundry in that apartment. And I, I just used that as an excuse to drink by myself. Um, and then I started drinking more often because um, I didn't know, I look at, this is looking back now. I, it's, I didn't know how to be alone, like um, to, to just be with myself and um, to be content. And um, so I, I would drink out of boredom 
a lot and I would want to go out and do things and be with people and stuff. And I didn't know how to do that without alcohol. I kind of still don't know how to do that without alcohol. It's like, it's really weird to try and do sober things, um, as an adult. Um, and, uh, I, uh, would start, I went, started like, so I have, have like, uh, I have social anxiety. It's not nearly as bad as it was, obviously I'm talking at you all, all of you. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, but like when I first moved to Chicago, it was kind of like, like crippling. Like I wouldn't do anything by myself and stuff. And, um, except for go to class and work, but, um, I, um, started drinking like I, well, I, used to, I, I was going out to the bars by myself um because that was um you know I was I, it was the only way that I could really tolerate it and um or like um going to movies by myself um like and but the movie theaters serve alcohol or I would just drink before I went and um then in 2018 um, I had a uh, gastric bypass surgery and, um, I was, uh, morbidly obese my entire life. Um, I was very, very unhealthy, uh, type two diabetic, uh, severely high blood pressure. And so I was making this decision to save my, my life because I was on like, you know, uh, the, <laughs> I was on the way to like having like a massive heart attack before I was 50 and um, being on insulin and uh, like everything else that comes with that kind of thing. And uh, so I lost um, over a hundred pounds um, and uh, got healthy. Like I am no longer diabetic um, and I no longer have high blood pressure. Um, so like I, I got healthy and then um, what I didn't realize was a, um, an eating disorder that I had before. I mean, that's not why I couldn't lose weight. That was in like, those things weren't there. <laughs> Trust me, there was lots of testing, but I think that there was an underlying eating disorder there that was never addressed. And so that wonderfully just fed into the alcoholism and, um, I started drinking instead of eating. Um, I started, um, just, um, like ever, I used to actually make jokes that, um, like, well, if I can't eat, I might as well drink. And, um, so I was like drinking a lot and it, but it didn't start getting to be like an everyday thing until, um, 2019, um, I went to Thailand with my best friend and we had a, the best, it was the best time in my life. I loved it so much. I cannot wait to travel again. Um, it's not the first time I've traveled internationally, but, um, it, it was the first time that like, I actually was going to a country rather than like seeing other countries while I was on a cruise. Um, but when I, about a month after I came back, um, I, my mental health hit like a, a brick wall. Um, I was, could like, there was nothing I could do to fix my anxiety. And I actually think I've had like anxiety since I was a kid. Cause I do remember telling my mom that I felt like something bad was going to happen. And, um, cause that's how my child brain was processing the anxiety. Um, and, uh, like there's like, I had no reason to feel like something bad was going to happen. And, um, but, in 2019, I like everything just got a thousand times worse. I couldn't sleep uh, at night and that was just making things worse. Um, I, if I don't sleep, my anxiety is automatically higher um, the next day. And um, I, uh, 
was going to the doctor to try and get help. Um, but it was taking too long and it was, I just couldn't sleep. And, um, it was, uh, so I started, uh, self-medicating and, um, I remember <laughs> there was a point when I remember looking back and, um, thinking like, um, <clears throat> you know, this is not, this is not good. This is like, this is, uh, you might be like, th this might actually be a problem. You might be an alcoholic. And I was just uh, like, no, or whatever. And I tried talking to my best friend about it. Um, and then like when he wouldn't listen to me, I shut down <clears throat> and it reached, I never tried again, because I also think that it reached a point where, um, I just started hiding from him because I was just, um, I, I knew that, if he told me there was a problem, then it was real. And um, it's uh, like, so for like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie uh, Burlesque uh, with Cher. Uh, there's one point when she turns to um, that guy and uh, says, um, I can hear the sky is falling from anyone else in the world but you. And um, I love that quote so much because it reminds me of this. So um, because if he were to tell me there was a problem, there would be a problem. And so I just... I shut down and I started hiding and, um, he didn't know how bad the issue was, um, <clears throat> uh, until, uh, until later. Um, and, um, let me see here where I lost, I lost track. Um, so, oh yeah, I knew this was getting bad. And then, so, and then the pandemic hit and, uh, I was ordered to work from home. Um, and then, so I started uh, drinking out of like isolation. Um, I had it like, I, there was like enough of like my brain that was like, okay, you can't, you can't get trashed at work, but I was definitely having drinks while I was working. Um, and I, um, oh, and then, you know, I had gotten on medication for my mental health issues and, but I was drinking on top of everything and they weren't working. And then, um, so like that, like that may have been a combination of I'm drinking on top of them. So they're not working or it wasn't the right medication, which, um, you know, that may have, I, I just didn't put in the effort to actually go and like, you know, tell them that it's not working. And, um, when the pandemic hit, um, is when like, you know, working from home and stuff. And then, um, I, um, could not, I handled about two weeks of being in a studio apartment by myself 24 seven. And, um, I had a, like a complete breakdown. I called my parents. I was like crying, um, in my closet in the dark. And, um, I, uh, uh, there was just, I, I could not handle any of the sounds that were coming from outside. And, um, they was, there was, um, like there was, I remember hearing screaming and I don't know, I lived next to a college or I lived next to a college campus. And that may have just been like them having the, that, I don't know if you heard the news stories, but some people were having pandemic parties and or something or COVID parties. I don't know if that's what that was, or people just were being loud outside, but it was freaking me out. And, um, so I was like it, that, I just, I couldn't handle that. So I was in my closet in the dark on the floor crying to my parents that I wanted to come home. And so, um, my mom's like, you, this is always your home. You can always come back here. So I decided to, um, go work from home from their place. Um, and 
I tried really hard to like make the best of it, tried to be happy. And like, you know, I just wasn't, there was no joy in anything else I was drinking. And that's also the time when my parents just like uh, started seeing like how bad my drinking was. And um, then they started trying to uh, keep me sober or um, like they're trying to make me moderate. And um, I wasn't happy with that. Um, it caused a lot of fights. <clears throat> I was really, I was being a really shitty daughter to my parents. Um, I was, I look back at that time and I was just not me. I had become like this empty shell of a person. <clears throat> and um, I remember, it's like, I remember sitting out on their porch and um, just thinking like that, that the drinking was no longer fun. And um, thinking that uh, like I had, like it, I was only drinking because I had to, but I still couldn't quit. And, <clears throat> um, and I, you know, I had, I had tried, it was just too much. It was just, it was just wait. I like, I couldn't do it. Uh, my mental health was shit. I, there was like so many things and it was, they were all like, at this point, like I was like, hundred percent like using my mental health as a reason to not drink because, or to re as a reason to keep drinking because, um, like I knew, I remember sitting there thinking like, you know, if you actually go get the help you need, you're going to have to stop drinking. And of course, like the addict monster in my brain didn't want that. So, um, there was like, I just, you know, continued along those lines of using it as an excuse and, um, it was just, uh, it got to a point where, um, I was like being, I was being so, um, like I, all, all I wanted to do was drink. If it had, if I, if it didn't have anything to do with drinking, I didn't want anything to do with it. I had no motivation to do the thing. Um, I started trying to do these things called like, I, I called them sober projects, um, things to like be busy that I would have to, or keep me busy that I would have to be sober doing, and I was just miserable the entire time. And uh, I, um, my parents were still trying to like moderate or like or make me moderate or um, stop um, like my drinking altogether. Got so desperate for alcohol one time that I drank hand sanitizer. Um, and uh, that that actually, and I ended up in a psych ward for that. Um, my parents thought I had tried to uh, kill myself. I did not want to, um, to die. Uh, like, I mean, I, but I didn't care if I, if I, if I, if I died, like it was, uh, I've heard it referred to as passive suicide before. Um, and, uh, all I wanted to do was get drunk. And so I didn't care if it was going to hurt me or not. Um, I <clears throat> was in the psych ward for three days and, um, the entire time all I could think about was getting out and drinking and, <clears throat> I, uh, of course I got out and drank and I mean, and then, you know, it's just the, the whole pattern just continued is like, I just would, um, I wanted to get alcohol and, um, you know, be drunk and I just didn't want to deal with anything. Um, and this, like it continued until, um, I just, I had enough and I was causing too much stress on my parents. And so I decided to go back to my apartment in Chicago. Um, and, this was uh, about, this is a, 
about six, six months to eight, know, maybe eight months that I was at their place. Um, and a lot happened while I was there. Like there, there was just, I mean, I, I did out of everything terrible that happened there, um, like during that summer, um, at least, um, I can say that like my nephew had a good time. My, my, uh, sister lives with my parents though. They have a, a finished basement. She lives down there with him and, um, he is, I call him my little raptor, and I got to spend so much time with him, and um, he remembers all of the those times that I was there as good times. Like, he doesn't remember, like, I mean, at least as far as I'm aware, he's four and a half right now, so um, at least as uh, far as I am aware, he doesn't remember any of the, the bad times, and um, <clears throat> he, like, my little boy loves me so much, and it's fantastic, and so, but <clears throat> everything else was just, God, I was living in a nightmare. Like I couldn't stop. Um, but I didn't like, I, I couldn't not stop. And it was just, it was, it was awful. Um, and I, I never want to be trapped in that hell again. Um, and it is just, I, I, when I decided to move back up to Chicago, um, I, <laughs> I immediately started drinking. I didn't even unpack. I didn't unpack any of my stuff. I didn't clean. I thought I was going to clean. And I had been sober for like a month at this point. Um, and I, you know, I remember being on the way to, uh, my dad drove me up and on my way, on the way to my ap apartment and just being like, um, okay, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to stay sober. I'm going to get all this stuff done. Um, I had been furloughed from my job because of the pandemic. So like, I was like starting to lose hope that they were going to call me back. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to update my resume and I'm going to get, you know, like start looking for new jobs and stuff. None of that happened. I walked in my apartment as soon as my dad left, like I, cause all the shit that I had just uh, brought back from my parents' place just all stayed in the apartment untouched. And I immediately went and got alcohol and started drinking. And, um, from <clears throat> it was what I thought was three days um later I woke up and couldn't um drink um any water like or any any sort of liquid I couldn't drink anything couldn't hold anything down um and especially with me having gastric bypass um I know that if uh like, well, and I, I was having like the uh, signs of uh, severe dehydration. So, and I know that I cannot rehydrate myself very well. So, um, and especially if I'm not holding down any liquid, um, also couldn't, that mean I couldn't drink. So it, you know, that may have been a deciding factor, but I went to, um, or it probably was a deciding factor. And, um, I went to, um, the hospital and, uh, I didn't know at the time, but, um, I was in detox. And, uh, I just had, I didn't know, I, just, I didn't know what detox even was. And, um, so I, uh, did the, I think they, I think I was in the hospital for three days and that amount of time, they did so much blood work and they, um, I took, I think it was, um, three bags of IV fluid, which is a lot. Um, and, um, I, uh, like I had to have, um, ultrasounds on my liver and my kidneys, uh, chest x-ray, um, and like a whole lot, of, they were really worried about me. I actually, oh, and I had a magnesium infusion because I thought I was going to have a seizure. And, um, so 
but I, I still know like that I was in detox. Um, they got me to check into rehab. I actually, um, I didn't go that day. Um, I actually had to go home and I have a ball python. Um, his name is Vasuki and he is adorable. Um, but I needed to make sure that he was good because I knew that rehab was meant I was going to be gone a month. So, um, I, uh, there's a place, um, in, uh, the like next neighborhood over that does uh, reptile boarding. And so I took him over there and then my dad drove me to rehab and, uh, it was about 12 days. Um, or like, yeah, it was about 12 days or uh, to, uh, like, no, it was about a week into rehab. Um, I woke up one morning cause I rolled out of that tiny bed that they have there and I couldn't get back to sleep. And like that, that <laughs> mental clarity where I'm like, wait a minute. Cause I knew the date I went into the hospital and I knew the date that I had moved back to my apartment and it wasn't three days. I had been binge drinking for, um, two weeks, it, two weeks. I was just binge drinking alone in my apartment by myself. I'm lucky I'm not dead. Like it's because I don't even think I ate or drank anything in that amount of time. There was a, um, when I got back to my apartment, there was a pizza in my fridge with one slice missing, but I don't remember ordering it and definitely don't remember eating it. So I haven't, I, I should probably be dead. Like, um, and it's, uh, I'm very lucky that, um, I actually decided to go to the hospital when I did actually do that. I called my friends, Ray and Michael, who, um, because they have a car and because I, you know, trust them and stuff. And I cannot believe to this day that they, they, they were like, yeah, we'll be right there to drive me down to the hospital. And the reason I called that, because if you call an ambulance, they're gonna take you to the nearest hospital. I wanted to be the one at the one where my primary and my um, gastric surgeon were at because I thought there was something wrong with my stomach. I had just missed their wedding during that binge drinking period. Um, I missed their wedding because I was blacked out drunk at home by myself. And um, I called them and they're like, yeah, I'll be right there. Like I didn't even, like, I, I still, like, I'm so grateful for them. And I, um, I told them when, um, that when they were on the way to get me, I'm like, I don't even know if I can make it down the stairs. So, um, and they were ready to come up and get me. I was able to, I kind of scooted down this. I couldn't even walk. Like it was bad. So, um, but anyway, uh, after in rehab about two weeks in, I got really scared um, that I wasn't going to be able to stay sober by myself. And so I made the decision to go to sober living. And I think that that was probably the best decision um, I've made um, in recovery as far as like um, making sure that I myself, like I'm taken care of. Um, and I was there for 10 months. Um, and then I moved into the apartment that I'm in now. And um, I... Uh, <clears throat> wasn't really doing the, the meetings thing. Um, and then I found out that, um, this guy that I dated right out of rehab, don't do that. I, I don't recommend that, um, at all. Uh, and, uh, I found out that he had relapsed. Uh, we weren't together anymore. Um, but it was just like, I was so like frustrated and just like, there was a lot of emotions attached to that. And I needed a meeting one night. And so I found, I was, I'm like, there has to be a fucking meeting right now. There has to be like, this is, you know, like we have, there's zoom meetings everywhere and stuff. And I got online and ended up finding, um, on the, an online place. And, uh, I've been going there ever since. Um, so I actually have a service position, um, in that group. I'm, I'm the group scribe. Um, I make coins for our group and, um, for milestones and, um, 
the reason we decided on that is ordering them custom is really expensive, like per member and um, <clears throat> like outside the budget for as many as we send. And uh, so, and then also most of them are either really boring if they are secular or they say the serenity prayer on the back of them. And so I being having the brain that I have, I decided, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to make them. And so I figured out a way to do that. And uh, uh, I've been doing that for actually almost a year now. Um, not quite. But uh, I have a couple people that I'm going to start like, and it's been about eight, six to eight months, I think. Um, but um, I really enjoy doing it. I think it's the perfect service position for me because it allows me to be creative um, and also like on a very personal level with people. Um, I don't do well with shallow connections. So um, when I want to relate to people, um, I want to do it on a deeper level. So, um, and I think a handwritten letter is like a great way to do that. Um, I send out a card with um, the you know, like I handwrite in it and then I was doing them custom and it just, uh, I do too, I do too much. Like it, it was too much. It was too much per person. Like I was like so stressed out over it. So, um, I just handwrite in them now and then send the coin and, um, it said, this is actually turned into with encouragement from other members in the group that I should start a business and make these um, that you can like, people can custom order online. And uh, I'm in the process of doing that now. Um, I actually am trying to, uh, to do it with a laser engraver, which I just got. And, and that thing has a, like a learning curve that you wouldn't believe unless you worked with one. <laughs> So that is a frustrating experience, but I'm still making the coins the how I had been making them and um, before, and uh, it's a work in progress. But it's interesting how um, this is has turned into like if I had never found an all night place, like I if I like I wouldn't have started being the scribe and uh, which was you know like a new made up position, and um, I just jumped on it because I'm like that sounds like it's perfect for me. So. Um, my, my recovery consists of, um, like, so, you know, the service work, um, I go to that meeting about every night because, um, I work from home. So I am, um, like I'm alone a lot because I also work nights. And so, and after I get off work at midnight, what's the only thing that's open the bar and I can't do that anymore. So, um, it's, uh, I like, and you know, my friends, a lot of them are on nine to five schedules and, so I uh, really enjoy being able to have something to do after work that um, is a safe and healthy thing for me to do. Um, and then I have a sponsor who is, um, she's in the meeting today. She's the, she came in to listen to me. Um, she's, uh, she's fantastic. Um, I, uh, uh, she's very patient with me because I take my sweet ass time doing like literally anything. So um, <laughs> I, uh, She's, uh, she's, she's great. She, she's, she's very patient with me taking forever to do things. And, um, I, uh, have learned a lot from her and, um, I also like, I do work the steps. Um, and I, uh, we aren't really doing the traditional steps. Um, we aren't really doing like, I mean, we are doing secular steps because it's the steps they're just with, without, there's no like God involved. So like basically anywhere where it tells you, that um, like, you know, like for instance, I'm on step um, six right now, you know, like that it's being willing to let God remove those, the um, unhealthy character traits from your life. 
like, I don't, that's not a thing. So, um, like that's not, you know, an invisible man in the sky isn't going to do that. Um, and that's, you know, just <laughs> like, but that's how I think about it. Um, and, uh, I, uh, so it's just, what am I going to do to help um, change these things about myself because these are, you know, they're causing me stress. And, um, I, you know, the patterns that I picked out that were in my step four is how I got these. And then, so obviously these, these are an issue and I need to change them. So what am I going to do? You know? And, um, I, uh, so like, I, I think that that I also work with a therapist, um, because my sponsor is not my therapist. She's probably laughing right now because we joke about that all the time. <laughs> And, um, I, um, uh, I do, I'd like, so like, I'm going to be going over my step six with my therapist on Monday, because I think that would be a good thing for me to do. Cause going through that, um, has definitely stirred up some emotions I wasn't expecting. And, um, I talked to my sponsor about that yesterday and I was like, this is, it's been, it's been weird. And she's like, that's pretty, pretty common. So, um, it's things that we used to suppress by drinking. Um, <clears throat> there's a, let's see. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the biggest tools that I have in my recovery are, um, the, the amount of time that I took to just take a step back and reevaluate the things in my life. Um, like in that, a lot of that happened during sober living, um, because like, I kind of just was not in contact with any of my friends and that allowed me to, and not by, you know, they, it's not that they didn't want to talk to me. It's just that I couldn't, I could not, I was like, I, there was so much shame there, but also like, I really just needed to just be like in a sober environment and not have to worry about like social obligations and things that may include drinking and stuff. So, um, taking that time to really figure out my social circle again was really handy. Um, and, and it was just because like, I know now who my true friends are and which ones were bar friends. And because like, I thought I wasn't lonely because I had all these friends at the bar. I was still lonely. I, I was just happened to be lonely near people. And, um, now I know the difference between being alone and being lonely and I'm okay being alone because I'm not alone, like lonely does not, like alone does not equal lonely uh, anymore to me. And um, I think that, and then um, actually like working the steps and uh, working with a therapist has helped me understand myself more and um, to like, you know, there are things that I go over with my sponsor who um, like, you know, if in the steps that I'm like, hmm, I should probably talk to a therapist about like, you know, just like I was talking about my step six. And, um, <clears throat> and then also there are things that, that come up in therapy sometimes where like, I'm like, mm, maybe I should address that with my sponsor because that sounds like it, it goes along with the step. And so it's, I think that they work well together for me anyway, um, in my experience they have. And then also, um, I get bored really, really easily. Um, so, and, you know, just restless and, uh, that's very, such a, a common thing in addiction, but boredom and restlessness are my biggest triggers. And so I have a lot of hobbies and, um, a lot of them and it's, uh, which is, you know, a good thing. One of my hobbies is, um, making things and that's turned into a service position and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, 
And then, I mean, cause there are things that I've learned how to do in recovery that like, I never thought that I would know. I know how to, I can, I can do stained glass guys. Like I never thought <laughs> that would be something that I would ever do. Um, when I was in uh, sober living, I made my coffee table from uh, like the, um, the, like while I was in sober living and <laughs> that sober living it was actually it's like three quarters living so like and I was very lenient I don't know if I would have went to any other sober living that they would let me be like torch something out in the yard at 2 a.m so um because it's a uh, torched woods <laughs> and um I would like I get this from my dad if, if something if I need to make something and I can't find what I want or if I need if I want something and I can't find what I want I'll just make it and that's just, you know, like, that's uh, just how my brain works. Um, and I, I think that like, I, um, I found things in recovery that I didn't even know I had lost um, and in, in myself. And it's been really fantastic and um, a really great, um, it's, it's, it's amazing looking back, um, you know, looking back on, uh, my spiral to bottom was never something that was like, it, it's, it's not all, you know, good. Um, but looking back is important, but also like, if I look back, like I can see who I used to be like in, in addiction and how, like, even, you know, like before that, when it wasn't alcoholism, like, I know that there was, there was addict tendencies in my life, like long before, um, alcohol was my center of addiction and, um, I just like, you know, like knowing who I am now is, um, and like, and seeing all of these great things about myself, it's just more of a motivation that to never want to go back. And, um, I, I'm really appreciative of, um, this program. Um, I honestly very, very great, very, very glad that, um, I went to sober living for many reasons, but also because I, it was required of me to do 1990 and it was required of me to have a sponsor. And, um, so, and without that, I don't know that any of those things would have ever happened because I was really resistant to AA because I kept asking people like how, um, you know, like, how am I going to do this without God? This is a, you know, a God-based program. And, um, it was, uh, made it work. And, um, I think that, um, this, that's, it ended up being really awesome because this program has been excellent for me. And so even just like relating to other alcoholics and talking and stuff and, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, um, you know, seeing where sober life takes me I actually just went to Riot Fest. Um, and that was, Amazing. Uh, Riot Fest is a punk rock festival in Chicago that happens every year. It's like one of the biggest in the world. And um, I had the best time. And I had totally forgotten that there's a whole like subculture in like in punk, like that it's just like that it it's a sober thing. Like there's like, you know, like straight edge and stuff. Like I had completely forgotten about that. And um, like, cause I hadn't heard that term in like, I don't know, probably since the early 2000s. And uh, like, so I hadn't heard, you know, it's a, the straight edge thing is just like something that like I had heard in passing years and years ago. And I just never, it never connected until I was just recently uh, at Riot Fest. And there was, um, they had vendors there and there was a vendor there that was selling books. And one of them is called 
living sober, but it had something to do with um, straight edge. And it wasn't like our living sober book that we talk about. And um, I want to get it. I didn't have the money then because I wanted this, this awesome shirt that I'm wearing for you guys today. Um, but books I can get anytime. So I definitely want to find it. Um, and while well, I did find it, it's just in my, my wish list. So, um, it was really cool. They did an inclusive drinking system, which meant that their riot pop, their branded pop was, um, 0% uh, like alcohol, 5% or 8%. So it was nice to be included in that. And it was just, I had like the best time and I remembered all of it and I didn't feel like shit. And I, so I actually made the three days of the event and, um, you know, discovering these new things that, um, I actually like enjoy like doing. And, um, I mean, I love the music. I knew a lot of the bands. I crossed a few off my bucket list. That was, that was really awesome. Um, but like just discovering at these things about myself that actually I enjoy doing things sober. I never thought I would enjoy doing things sober again. And it has been amazing. And I, I just, I can't wait to try more things in sobriety. Um, yeah. So I think that's all I have for you guys. I hope I like, I, I did like what I was supposed to do. I'm like looking at my notes. I'm like, I think it's good. Um, yeah, I'm good. <laughs>